Amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning. Uh, if you're with us online here for the first time, know that we're glad you're with us today. Just as a quick heads up um, before we jump in, you know, next week we're going to have the privilege um, to hear from my father-in-law, uh, which is actually Kelly's dad. <laughs> Kelly's dad was a faithful pastor for over 30 years uh, in North Carolina, and he was gracious enough uh, just to kind of open up his pulpit uh, to me several years ago, many times, uh, to come in and preach and, and make mistakes uh, to grow in the process, and, and uh, you know, the first time I ever preached was at his church several years ago uh, on a Sunday morning. And uh, just a fun little detail: their church is actually not one of, their, of our supporting church. Uh, but not only that, whenever we have the opportunity to hear from a faithful pastor who faithfully served uh, his family and also his church, um, you know, we have the privilege as a young church like ours just to uh, just to hear from him. And it's Kelly's dad, so that'll be fun. For all of us, and that's next Sunday. And then um, also, just as a reminder, Easter is coming up in three Sundays from today. Uh, and so I want to call on each of you to be praying and thinking about who you can invite to our Easter service. Um, this will be our very first in-person, online, uh, in-person Easter service. It will, it will be also be online. Uh, so y'all, this is a big deal. Last week, it was, I mean, last year, it was fully online. Like, I don't know if you remember the little chat room that we had, um, try to give the little hand raises during Easter. It was a lot of fun. It was hard, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and so, you know, this year we have the incredible opportunity, though, to invite all of our friends and neighbors and coworkers to come and see all of what God has done. You know, we put a, a big emphasis on go and tell evangelism here. Uh, but, the, but on Easter, the emphasis without a doubt will be, hey, come and see. Uh, to come and hear about what Christ has done for us in the gospel. Because the reality is way more people uh, will be uh, more, are more likely to come on an Easter Sunday than almost any other Sunday of the year. Uh, and we want to do everything possible to catalyze this opportunity. And so be praying and fasting and telling anybody and everybody, hey, you got to come to our church on Easter. Like, you got to come. This is our very first Easter. Hey, you got to come and see and hear about what God has done. And we can say this, right, not because of anything special of our church, uh, but rather because of the incre incredible good news that we have and we proclaim as a church, that we hold to as a church. And, you know, we have the best news on the planet. And so I want to encourage you to invite everybody possible to come and hear about what Christ has done. We print out inviter cards. Uh, we've got door hangers to hand out and put on, 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 our, door, on our, our neighborhood doors. Uh, we've got flyers to hand out. Uh, we'll be canvassing neighborhoods. Uh, and we'll also be seeking to serve a few neighborhoods that we'll hear about later in the service uh, through our Serve Week, seeking to find tangible ways to help those who are in need. And uh, we want to meet their immediate physical needs and also point them to their greatest spiritual need, which is found in the gospel. Uh, Y'all, we've got a lot coming up. It's going to be an all-hands-on-deck uh, just effort to mobilize a new city church army to do whatever it takes for people to hear about the incredible news of the gospel. This news you know, that we speak of, of Jesus Christ, every week, as we've seen in our series, it's a life-changing truth. You know, it's the truth that it, it, it transforms our lives. Uh, and this truth uh, today in our passage, we're going to take it, we're going to really uh, look deep into it. You know, there's, these six verses today are rich uh, with simple yet uh, mysteriously deep truths of the gospel. We're going to take this diamond of the gospel, uh, we're going to turn it, uh, we're going to inspect it, we're going to really gaze into it, we're going to see the same old truths, but just kind of from a slightly different angle. You know, the gospel, it does not change. 
It's the same incredible diamond we've always had, but today we're going to kind of turn it uh, and we're going to really shed light on some of these great truths uh, that are part of this gospel diamond, okay? And as we've seen over the past several weeks on our trek through 2 Corinthians, we know uh, that this letter, 2 Corinthians, is Paul's most emotional letter where Paul's tired and weary. He's writing to this messy Corinthian church. Uh, We've seen that Paul went through some difficulty with this church. Like they, they criticized him. They didn't seem to respect him all that much. We've seen that they, uh, they asked for his credentials. We saw that. They, they asked for a letter of recommendation, uh, re- wanting to see Paul's legitimacy as an apostle. As an apostle. And then we saw last week, at the be- uh, he said at the beginning of chapter 3, he said, you yourself are my letter of recommendation. And then we saw Paul kind of go, last week he saw him go through this back and forth, uh, comparing and contrasting Moses' ministry in the Old Covenant with Jesus' ministry in the New Covenant. Uh, and in showing us this, we kind of got a hood, we got, a, a, we got an under-the-hood snapshot of how God transforms our lives, of how God turns messes into masterpieces. And now in this letter, we're starting to see this shift of Paul teaching them and showing this church the motor behind what will drive this church to go from a messy church to a missional church. And at the end of last week, we saw the secret sauce of how God transforms lives. And it's by beholding the glory of the Lord. It's it's by simply looking to Jesus. And today we're going to dive more into that idea of, of what we're beholding, what we're looking at, but more specifically what it does. Like what the gospel does to God, uh, what it does to Christians, and also what it does to un- those who are unbelievers, who do not believe in Jesus. You know, chapter 3, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians is the verse that kind of ties uh, these two together. It ties last week and this week together. And so let's read that verse again. Uh, look at chapter 3, verse 18. This is what it says. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So just as a quick refresher, uh, to make sure we understand this, if we follow Jesus, in essence, God has opened our eyes to be able to see the glory of God, to be able to see Jesus for who he really is. We no longer have a veil over our face, our faces uh, over our faces, so to speak. If we tr- so, if we trust in Jesus, we are able to behold Jesus. And if we're able to behold Jesus, he's, God is then able to transform us. And so, simply put, how do our lives change? How do we grow in holiness? And how do we fight sin? How do we become more like Jesus? Well, as we said, we look to Jesus. It's simple. We behold Jesus. And today we're going to dive more into this, of looking to Jesus with an unveiled face, this idea of looking to Jesus with clear eyes. You know, as I I already said, last week we saw this comparing uh, and contrasting of Moses' ministry in the Old Covenant and Jesus' ministry in the New Covenant. Uh, And today, beginning of chapter 4, we dive deeper into this ministry of the New Covenant. We're going to dive deeper into Jesus' ministry, which we, as we know, is also gospel ministry. And so leading us to our very first verse uh, for our text today, verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Which leads us directly into our main idea. And our only point again today. Uh, Just like last week, we have one point. And it's this, New City Church, take heart. We're in gospel ministry. We're in a ministry that is good news. 
And so listen up. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have a ministry. We all have a ministry. Uh, And also, all together, we as a church, we have a ministry that has been given to us by God. Maybe you have some sort of ministry at school or on campus or maybe uh, at work or with your kids or, or maybe the ball field or your neighborhood or here at New, maybe here at New City. You have a ministry also with uh, yourself and growing with your own personal holiness uh, and also with others. And what we know and what Paul knows comes with every ministry as we've seen in this letter is discouragement. If you're in ministry, you will be discouraged <laughs> at some point. Like, I would say it's guaranteed. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Like we're in a cosmic spiritual war. And what we'll see Paul talk about today, uh, and this is what we'll see Paul talk about today. Maybe, and so maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe because a friend or a family member or a coworker seems closed or cut off. Or maybe the life transformation that you were hoping for or expecting in your life or someone else's life uh, isn't going as planned. Or maybe you're in a season of ministry when it feels like you just can't catch a break. Or maybe you're in a season of waiting and you're tired of waiting. Or maybe you've been trying to patiently endure and your patience is running really thin. Or possibly you're just in a season of questioning everything. Like questioning what God has called you to, feeling like you lack direction, wondering, God, what is going on here? Because, uh, or maybe it's one of these or maybe it's a few of these. And maybe because of it, you're discouraged. And to that, Paul reminds us in verse 1, hey, listen up, we have this ministry. We have this gospel ministry. We have this new covenant ministry. We have this new covenant ministry with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's given to us by the mercy of God, as he says. And because of that, we do not lose heart. (laughs) New City Church, take heart. By God's mercy, God has given us something that we do not deserve. By God's mercy, he has given us gospel ministry. New City Church, we have life-changing news. I love how the CSB version uh, translates verse 1. This is how it translates, translates it. It says, therefore, since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. That's, what it, that's how they translate it. How good is that? Like we were shown mercy by God, and so therefore we do not give up. No, we keep marching. We keep our heads up. And leading into this Easter season, when a spiritual searching is often high, no matter what difficulty you faced in the past, no matter what rejection or hardship or discouragement you faced, maybe this past year, this past month, or maybe even today. New City Church, take heart. Keep your head up. Don't give up. Because brothers and sisters, we have been given by God's mercy a new covenant, a Holy Spirit-empowered gospel ministry that opens up blind eyes to see the glory of God. And today we get to peek under the hood and look at the intricacies of just that, of how gospel ministry that God has entrusted to each of us as followers of Christ, how he opens up those eyes that are blinded to God's glory and then he transforms them. This gospel ministry, God has been moving from broken vessel to broken vessel, from broken people to broken people, from messy lives to messy lives for over 2,000 years. And it has not stopped yet, and it will not stop until Jesus comes back. And as we know, as he said at the end of chapter 3, verse, uh, verse, 18, or verse 13, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So he said at the end of chapter 3. That begins, uh, this gospel-centered transformation uh, that begins with opening up blind eyes. It comes from God. This is not from us. It comes from God. 
It comes from uh, the spirit of the living God who lives and dwells within us. And because of that, as we talked about last week, we can have an incredible confidence. We don't need to lose heart. We don't need to give up because the God who created the world is living and active and delights to use his messy people with messy lives for his glorious purposes. And what we'll see today is the engineering behind what it takes to see someone cross from death to life, from go from lost to found, from go from veiled to unveiled, to go from blinded to be able to see. Uh, and what does it take? How does God do it? And y'all, this is mysteriously simple, yet wildly and painstakingly difficult. Uh, And just in the spirit, I've got a few illustrations of things that are so simple, yet painstakingly difficult. Uh, Like getting a three or four-year-old to pick up about ten toys uh, and then put them in a basket. Like this is so simple, yet it is so difficult. Or how about this? And I think uh, our college kids may get this one, or maybe all of us with daylight savings today. Um, Like waking up and getting out of bed. (laughs) Uh, Like it's so incredibly simple. Like you literally just get out and put your two feet on the ground and you stand up. So simple. But for some reason, it's painfully difficult. How about this one? This one gets me every time. The game of golf. Like it's so simple. That everybody that plays thinks they should be way better than they really are. Yet everybody that plays knows how painfully difficult it is. It's so hard to be good at golf, yet it looks so easy. Like you just put the ball in the hole. That's it. You just take the ball and you put it in the hole. I stopped playing consistently about 15 years ago because of how difficult it was. I would just walk away angry after playing, and so I had to stop. Um, It's so simple yet painfully difficult. And as we'll see today, becoming a Christian is so incredibly simple, yet as we'll also see, and we also know, it's painfully difficult. Today, as I said, we've got one point, and it's to take heart because we're in gospel ministry. Because yes, gospel ministry is painfully difficult with discouragement often in tow, but yet it's so simple and comes with an incredible power. Uh, And just like we did last week, I'm going to go through uh, each verse, verse by verse, and we're going to see the simplicity uh, and also the painstaking complexity of this ministry that that we each have as followers of Christ. But at the end, I hope we'll be encouraged and exhorted to kind of press on and to not lose heart because, in fact, we have a great hope and a great promise. And so with that said, let's look what Paul says next in verse 2. Paul says, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And so just to rephrase this, okay? Because we have this simple gospel ministry, we have at our disposal true, life-changing, life-transforming power. We don't need to try anything disgraceful or shameful or underhanded. Uh, We don't need any tricks or gimmicks. We don't need to change or distort God's word. We don't need to try and decorate the gospel. We don't need to add to the gospel. We don't need to try to make the gospel more appealing. No, we have the simple and life-changing gospel. We have an eternal and we have a sure truth. We have a truth that does not change and it also comes with the power to change. Like we don't need to dress up and decorate a bloody cross. (laughs) It doesn't work. And we want to be able to, as Paul says, commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. That's what he said. 
We want to be able to say to God, God, I preached, I proclaimed, I taught the simple and the basic gospel, which is this, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to save the world from their sins by dying on the cross and being raised from the dead. And those who call upon Jesus by believing in him in faith will be saved and then brought back into a relationship with God. That's it. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus died on the cross in our place, and when we believe that Jesus' death and resurrection saves us from our sins, God claims us as his forever. Like, that's the simple gospel. Believe in Jesus as Lord, and you will be saved. Jesus is our way back into God's presence and power and glory and holiness, and what I know we often have to fight against is the apathy that that simple message isn't enough. Believing that we have to add to it, or liven it up, or maybe change it, or maybe being ashamed of it because it just seems silly or possibly foolish. You know, I love what Pastor Tony Marita said. He said, we don't need better orders, we need better reporters. When we preach and teach and proclaim the gospel, our job is to just report on what God's word says. And then God, by his power, simply makes dead hearts live. (laughs) God breeds life in the dry bones. God removes the veil and allows his people to see the glory of God. The spirit of the living God through this simple message enters into the hearts and minds and within an instant, he raises uh, life. He gives life to dead souls instantly. Like This is astounding. I mean, the, the amazing simplicity of gospel ministry is that we speak of Jesus Christ crucified in all of his glory, and then God comes in and gives us new desires. And God, over a lifetime, grows us and changes us. Uh, we, we start to want more of God. We want to be with God's people. We want to be in our Bibles more. We want to sing his praises. Like, this is so incredibly simple. How do we grow and become more like Jesus? Just like we said last week, we look to Jesus. Like, how are others saved and brought back into the presence of God? It's simple. They believe in Jesus. This is so simple, and it comes with so much power. We can have such, such an incredible hope. And so if you feel like your life is too far gone, or someone you know's life is too far gone, take heart. Jesus is alive and active. The simple gospel is sufficient. If you're discouraged in your ministry, take heart. Because Jesus is alive and active, the simple gospel is enough. In our fight for holiness, take heart because Jesus is alive and active and the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit lives within you. The the people we're rubbing shoulders with and living life with and you're praying for, maybe it's the three to five people in your life that you're consistently praying for to follow Jesus. New City Church, take heart because the spirit of the living God is alive and active. And the simple gospel has the power to make dead hearts live. You know, like we've said, Easter is right around the corner. Jesus is alive and active. I want to call you to be in desperate and dependent and in fervent prayer, praying for God to break through chains, praying for God to make dead hearts live, and praying for God in faith to bring about a revival in our city. Like, we don't need gimmicks. We don't need to try to wow a crowd. No, we need the spirit of the living God to move in power. This is the ministry of the new covenant. It doesn't put us in chains, it breaks chains. 
It doesn't put God in a holy box. It unleashes God to move in power into the hearts and lives of his people. Brothers and sisters, this is our ministry. This is our gospel ministry. And because of this, we do not lose heart. We do not give up. If someone doesn't respond to the message, to the truth of the gospel, it's not because of the message. And it's not because you didn't make it entertaining or appealing enough. Because let's be honest, there's nothing entertaining about a bloody cross. And to the world, there is nothing appealing about handing over the keys to your life. And to the world, surrendering our lives and saying, I'm not in charge any world, but God's in charge. It just seems silly and crazy and laughable. You know, we don't need a, a more appealing message. We need God to move in power. Because if someone doesn't respond to the gospel, do you know why? Do, do you know why this gospel ministry is so hard and so painstakingly difficult? Paul shows us why in verses 3 and 4. You know, these verses, these next verses are terrifying. <laughs> this is the difficulty of gospel ministry. We are at war with cosmic spiritual forces. As John Piper described these next verses, he said, uh, these verses define lostness. And what it means for someone to be lost, for someone to be spiritually dead, for someone to be spiritually blind. Again, in verse 3, Paul says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. When people do not respond to the gospel, it's because their hearts and lives are blinded to seeing God's glory. People don't respond to the gospel because they can't see the beauty of the gospel. They can't see uh, the beauty of who Jesus is. They're blinded to it. And because of this blindness, the result, it says, is perishing. It's eternal perishing, and it's tragic, and it's devastating. And why are they blinded? Why can't they see God's glory? Paul shows us in verse 4. Paul says, in their case, the God of this world, that being Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers. Again, why are they blinded? God's word says because Satan has blinded them. Satan has, has them held captive and essentially has them blindfolded, keeping them from seeing like they can't see. And I know this is so heart-wrenching. This is grueling and it's hard and it's difficult because there are people all around us in our lives that are perishing because God's enemy has them captive and is distorting their sight, and is blinding them. Like this should, this should lead us to weep. And instead of seeing God as gracious, they see everything else this world has to offer as more uh, glorious. They don't see God's glory, they see the world, everything this world has to offer, and it, they think it's more glorious. When a person is blinded to seeing the glory of God, this whole Christianity thing is just laughable and silly which makes our gospel ministry, it makes it so challenging. Because Satan's tactics of blinding someone is making the world seem better than it really is. Like blinding them and us to success, blinding to materialism or substance abuse or distorting sex or being blinded into the false mirage that people in relationships can fulfill our deepest longings or their, their deepest longings. When a person is blinded and cannot see God's glory, sin all of a sudden seems like a delight. But y'all, it's not. It's a false delight. It delights for just a moment. And it does not last. Because then shame and sorrow and anger and bitterness and emptiness, it often soon follows. 
There are people all around us in our lives that are blinded and they're captured. And they need to be rescued. And they need to see God for who he really is. This is why we're so desperate and dependent on prayer, to be bold in prayer for God to move in mighty power. We need desperate prayer. We need God to come in and break chains, lifelong chains, chains that have held people captive for their entire life. We need God to remove the veil of darkness. And we pray and we beg for God to move in power. Because we don't have that power. This is God's power. Our job is to be faithful to proclaim the simple gospel. And God's job is to open up their blind eyes and to break chains. Like our job is simple. We proclaim Christ. And we patiently wait for God to move in power. And so we pray and we beg to save, for God to save dead and blinded souls. Church, this is our job. We pray, uh, and we pray, and we plead, and we speak, and we proclaim, and we pray, and we beg, and we plead, and we pray, and we speak, and we teach, and we pray, and we beg, and we plead for God to open up blind eyes. This is our simple gospel ministry. With that said, I want you to see more of what those who do not profess Jesus as Lord are blinded to. It says more specifically at the end of verse 4, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. There's two things happening here that I want to point out. Uh, First, we see more specifically to what they're blinded to. Again, he says, uh, they are blinded to, and then he gives us a mouthful, (laughs) Uh, like Paul does well. He says they're blinded to seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Just to say this phrase another way, maybe more simply, they're blinded to seeing the good news of Jesus. But as soon as I say that, I know I've watered down what Paul just said. And so the second thing I want us to see here is how the gospel that they're blinded to is being portrayed. How does Paul portray it here? There are some things about this diamond of the gospel that we've talked about that I want, to, I want us to turn and see here. See here. Uh, we're going to take a deep dive here for just a minute, and so try to hang with me. Paul says the gospel of the glory of Christ, like this good news that was shown by conquering sin and death, by going to the cross, by dying a criminal's death for us in our place, this good news of Jesus dying on the cross uh, that made a way for us to be with God, uh, it magnifies Jesus. This good news, it makes Jesus greater. Uh, it, makes him, it makes him honorable and worthy of our worship. This incredible, life-changing truth, what Paul says here, he says it's a light. It's a light. Like it shines onto something. <laughs> That's what it does. Paul says the light of the gospel in verse 4. Meaning the gospel is a light. So what does a light do? It helps us to see. <laughs> it illuminates something. When you walk into a dark room, what do you do? Well, you flip the switch and you turn on the light. And so in that moment, you know, before you turn on the light, you have a choice to make. Uh, you can either stumble around into a dark room and possibly trip or bang your knee or head or on, on, just kind of walk or, and stumble around, or you can turn on the light so you can see. That's what the gospel does. It's a light that allows us to see. And so we must then ask. What does the light of the gospel illuminate? Like, what does it shed light on? 
What is the glory of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? What is this good news? What does it illuminate? Well, look at the, look at the phrase in verse 4. Paul says, The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He says the light of the gospel, uh, and then he clarifies it by saying the gospel of the glory of Christ. He then says, uh, who is the image of God? And so in essence, the gospel of Jesus is a reflection of God. And to be more direct here, the gospel of Jesus illuminates God. It shines a light on God's glory and holiness and character. The gospel helps us to see God. Uh, Just think of it like a flashlight. The gospel, it shines a light on God so that we can see him and his full glory through the image of Jesus. And just to kind of clear the air here, I didn't uh, see this in my first reading. John Piper actually wrote a whole book on this, these couple of verses uh, called God is the Gospel, explaining what I just said. And right out, of, right out of college, that book was so helpful for me, seeing how God is the greatest gift of the gospel. Yes, like kind of getting at that idea that, yes, being cleansed of our sins is great, but the, greatest, uh, the greatness of that result is that we get God. And so why do we, uh, why do we love and worship Jesus so much here? Why do we talk about Jesus so much? Because uh, without trusting in Jesus, we can't have God. And so if that interests you, that book, God is the Gospel, uh, would be a good read. Uh, But just to kind of come full circle here, with this phrase in verse 4, if I lost you for a second, just kind of check back in. To answer the question, what has the God of this world blinded unbelievers to? Again, they're blinded to seeing the glory of Jesus. But more extensively, they're blinded so they can't see God. In essence, just kind of go with this flashlight illustration. If the gospel is the flashlight that illuminates God in his glory, Satan takes away their flashlight. Satan keeps them from seeing, uh, which keeps them from seeing God, which is why he says what he says next in verse 5. What it says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves. But Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Uh, And to rephrase this, we proclaim Jesus and not ourselves and not any form of deceit or anything else that we may add to the gospel because Jesus is the only flashlight that will shine onto God's glory. I mean, just imagine going into a dark woods and you you need a flashlight. The one thing like you really need is a flashlight so you can see. And instead of someone giving you a flashlight that you ask for uh, to navigate through these dark woods, they instead, they just kind of hand you a painted rock. (laughs) Uh, And they say, here you go. See if this does the trick. Doesn't this painted rock, doesn't it look really great? Uh, You know, so many people are buying this fancy rock. You know, maybe you could wear it as jewelry. It's really popular right now. It's great. You should try it out. Um... You'd look at that person and say, hey, gee, thanks. I mean, I guess the rock's kind of cool, maybe. But I still can't see anything. And so when we try to give people anything other than Christ crucified, because without Christ crucified, there is no chance of them ever seeing God's glory. There's, There's no chance of salvation, not at all. And there's no chance of any transformation. You know, as we as we saw last week. Uh, In chapter 3, verse 18, transformation comes from beholding the glory of the Lord. And we can't behold the glory of the Lord if we don't have the light of the gospel. 
And so we as a church, we proclaim Jesus as Lord. We don't elevate ourselves. Rather, as, Jesus, as he says in verse 5, uh, we're Jesus' servants. Our only job in the equation of seeing veils removed in helping those blind to see is to proclaim Jesus as Lord. God has given us the light of the gospel for us to proclaim and tell. And when we do this, it sheds light into darkness. Look what he says in verse 6. We see this more in our last verse. Verse 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, this is astounding. Just follow me here. Okay, we know that God created light out of darkness at creation. At the very beginning of time, when God created the world, like it was dark, and God said, Let there be light. And light came into the world through the sun. God spoke light into existence through the power of his word. And the light of the sun, it illuminated the dark world so that God, the glory of God's creation could be seen and also flourish. And so that same God that brought light into the world physically at creation, illuminating the greatness of his word, is doing the same thing spiritually in our hearts and the hearts of those around us, so that we can flourish in his purpose for our lives, and also to see God's full glory found in the gospel. He said, God has shown in our hearts. God shined light, uh, God shined Jesus into our hearts and minds, giving us the light of Jesus. He gave us a flashlight, so to speak. We have a flashlight of the knowledge of Jesus that helps us to see the glory of God. I want you to see here how verse 6 runs parallel to verse 4. These verses are so similar to each other. In verse 4, Paul said, in relation to those who are blinded, he said, they can't see. He says they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then in verse 6, he says something very similar. He says, God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so do you see how these are similar? Again, verse 4 says, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then verse 6 says, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 4 is what uh, those who do not believe are blinded to. And verse 6 is what those who trust in Jesus see. And so the major difference is that God has given us knowledge and then he also clarifies that knowledge is the image of God, which is the face of Jesus Christ. And so in essence, we as Christians, we have knowledge he has given us. We have knowledge to teach so that others may know the gospel. We teach others about Jesus, and then God opens up their eyes to believe. We know that knowledge alone is not sufficient, but knowledge is necessary for proper belief. So brothers and sisters, as we close, to come full circle in these last few verses, yes, the pain and difficulty of gospel ministry is that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. But yet the simplicity of gospel ministry is that we simply teach and we proclaim Jesus. We proclaim a simple gospel message that says Jesus is Lord and we pray and we beg and we teach and we share and we proclaim and we keep praying and we keep begging and we keep teaching and we keep proclaiming and then God removes the veil. God opens up 
blind eyes. God makes dead hearts live. God makes, uh, br- breaks chains. And God unleashes saving power. New City Church, take heart. Because we're in gospel ministry with the saving power of God on our side. Yes, there's bad news. That the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers and the result is eternal perishing. But the good news is that God has given us and entrusted us the flashlight of the gospel that shines into darkness, that sheds light and illuminates God to those who are perishing. There are so many around us that are blinded. And we have the privilege to come in with this flashlight and say, listen to this incredible news of Jesus. The cross is sufficient for you. By trusting in Jesus, God claims you as his own and he reveals his glory to you. New City Church, this is our ministry. Take heart. We have the ministry of the gospel. In just three short weeks from today, we have the opportunity when people are much more willing to come and hear than maybe any other time of the year and to invite as many people as possible to go out into the highways and the hedges of the Tampa Bay area, to invite people to come and see what God has done, to come in and hear this simple, life-changing, and life-transforming message that was sealed and established when Jesus rose from the dead. (laughs) We have the good news of the gospel And the simple and astounding reality is that God can open the eyes of a person in an instant. (laughs) New City Church, I want to plead with you to be praying and begging and crying out to God for God to save people. For God to open up the blind eyes for people to come and cross from death to life. We have no clue what God will do. But may we labor alongside with God. And plead with him to move in power. Will you pray and plead and beg and speak and teach and proclaim and then beg and plead more for God to move in power? I mean, how many, how many people can you invite this year to Easter to come and hear what God has done? Maybe three, maybe 10, maybe 25, 50, maybe 100, who knows? What's it gonna take? Maybe just one. To that we say, praise God. Will you pick that person up? Will you put them in your car? And will you bring them here to hear what God has done? It could change their life for all of eternity. God could open up their eyes in an instant. And it could change their life forever. New City Church, take heart because we are in gospel ministry. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful for the simplicity of your message for the simplicity of the gospel that changes and transforms lives. Father, we know that you come in and you can, you can open up blind eyes. Would you open up many, many, many blind eyes for them to see God in his glory? Would you save souls? Would you use us as your servants to speak the truth of the message of Christ? Father, we have good news. Would you move in power? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.